0: Welcome to CMO Confidential, the podcast that takes you inside the drama, decisions, and choices that go with being the head of marketing. Hosted by five-time CMO, Mike Linton.
1: Welcome marketers, advertisers, and those who love them to Chief Marketing Officer Confidential. CMO Confidential is a program that goes inside the drama, the decisions, and the politics that go with being the head of marketing at any company in what is one of the most scrutinized jobs in the executive suite. I'm Mike Linton, the former CMO of Best Buy, eBay, Farmers Insurance, and Ancestry.com, here today with my guest, Ron Guerrier. Welcome, Ron. Hey, Michael. How's it going? Pretty good. Thanks. Ron has been a CIO numerous times, including at Express Scripts, the state of Illinois, I guess I should say Go Bears, Toyota Financial Services, Hewlett Packard, and Farmers Insurance, where we worked together for several years. He's also a board member on both a nonprofit and a for-profit company. Today's topic, why marketing and information technology should be BFFs, that's best friends forever, and here's the setup. Marketing has always been an analytical function when i started at G, there was a math test required to get in and not all mbas passed that test and the functions got more analytical and significantly more measurable since then ron has always been on the IT side of this so ron open up this chat by painting a picture um, um, on the marketing it relationship and, and how it's developed over time
2: thank you michael and i appreciate it and thanks for the intro and um I love what you're doing with this. Um, Thank you. So, you know, when you talk about what's going on when it comes to marketing and, and IT side of the house, um, before it was IT, it was system development. Um, there's always a, a tag, but we're ultimately the folks who connect all the technologies on the back backend. Um, think about the Wizard of Oz. If he or she had the Wizard of Oz, that's who we are. Um, so the relationship with marketing has been very interesting over the years. For many years, it was, and again, I'm going through my my arc of from the 90s till now. Um, in the 90s, we coexisted. Things were going well. You know, marketing had an idea. We had to put it together. And then that whole e-commerce thing popped um, in the late 90s. And then that relationship actually got a little stronger, a lot stronger. And it was kind of coexisting. And I'd say in the 2000s, maybe 2010, up to there, um, I would jokingly say there was the marketing IT battles. Um, the great wars of of who owns digital and who owns that budget. Um, there's a lot of time that the funding would go to the CMO, organization marketing, and IT would be kind of starved out because we're seen as the afterthought. We take care of the green screens, the mainframes, the things, the Lotus Notes, So those of you who remember that. We did all that fundamental boiler room stuff, and we didn't have to know what's going on in the front end and stick our head out of the kind of the porthole. But um then the marketing officers started realizing that they needed us a little bit more. They needed the data, the insights, the stuff we're about to talk about. And the ones that could unlock that just so happens to be the IT guys. And so those were that relationship flourished. So it started realizing that marketing officers needed IT, and, and IT needed marketing officers because they could influence the budget. And then I'd say we became this coexistence that has grown between two of two organizations no difference in the way we kind of did things at Farmers. So that's kind of how I see the arc today. Um, the digital officer role has been more prominent, um, but what is really digital? Um, we could argue that's anything that's considered net new. I guess a tire back in BC times was digital. So how do you define digital super important um, and how we partner between marketing and IT is also super important. Well, the the
1: other thing, and and, and we did work a lot on this at Farmers is, we considered the customer at the center of the data it wasn't a function it, it was the customer data but but the other thing is when you start thinking about how the data is in play and your ability to analyze all kinds of of data and retention and then stick all kinds of of you know information into this whether it's nps you know so you can start combining all kinds of data stacks T- tell us how it connects with marketing on that and what would make a really good relationship in this front from a, you know, like, you know, marketing is, they always want stuff. They want, you know, they, they, we, we both have to get the budget. They want it really fast. IT wants to do it really right. And then it has to engineer it with everything working. How, what's some tips you would give everybody for doing this right, this relationship right?
2: I think you touch a little bit of that immediately and I'll, I'll double, I'll pull that thread. And that thread is really identifying who is the customer, having a customer-centric approach. Um, when I worked for the state of Illinois, it was more of a resident-centric approach. It's the same concept. Who are we trying to serve? Who are we trying to improve? Who are we trying to market to, sell to, whatever? Have a common understanding of that. The second thing I would say is nowadays, everyone feels they know a little bit of IT because they could Google it. Back then, they would also visit, whatever they did. They get a little <laughs> more information on it. Um, but I think that those in IT also need to understand the marketing side of the house. I think what makes the team stronger is when we can appreciate, we in IT can appreciate the marketing, the challenges that marketing has, and those in marketing can understand the IT challenges we have. So for a quick example, I used to jokingly say, and I don't say this anymore, um, that marketing people just find billboards and stick something up and pray that 5% of the people see it. And maybe they'll buy that product, <laughs> but it is far more complex and complicated than that. It's understanding the data, getting uh, the analytics behind the data, getting the insights from that. That is super important, and we in IT need to appreciate that. It's super data driven, which I know we'll talk about. But also, I need the marketing guys to understand that we do have brittle systems. We we have systems that were not architected to talk to each other, and so. We need your help to make those right investments so we could get you what you need. Can you give us an
1: example of a brittle system in the way of a new system? Because we're gonna talk about the MarTech stack and maybe we're already into it, which is we're gonna create this IT stack with IT or MarTech stack, whatever. That's gonna be a shared responsibility. So it has all kinds of things in terms of capital, comp, usage, who's doing what, how's everybody thinking about it? Can you talk about that a little bit and then Talk about what it's like to be on your end when the marketer is asking for something. And any example you want to give would be great.
2: Okay. So I'll just go straight to the what everyone would kind of understand. The, the mainframe days, the AS400s, what have you. The really monolithic systems that really drive a company. The ERP systems, if you will. Um, a lot of times people assume that the company is more progressive.
1: We just use an acronym, ERP system. And I'm not sure everyone knows what that is. So...
2: Yes. Enterprise resource planning is essentially what keeps pretty much most of your data from your sales, your finances in there. If you have supply chain, it's everything all in one. And and Oracle, SAP, um, Workday now has ERP systems. And essentially, it's your your heartbeat, right? Yeah. And it's, are, it's the
1: entire infrastructure of the company data. Yeah.
2: Pretty much. Absolutely. And think of the circulatory system. The flow of information comes in and out of that ERP system. So think of it in that. That manner. And so a lot of times we have a brittle older system in the center, but then we put things on the on top of it. We put a skin or a wrapper, we put a GUI on something and make it look cool and, and exciting. But at the core is an older system. So that's the first thing we have to do is really what are the limitations of those older systems? And do do they need to be updated and replaced? The second thing I'll say is make sure that you have a very strong architecture practice. So you can connect the dots because sometimes the new systems don't have a good interface with the old systems. So for example, TIBCO, just throwing out a, a, a brand. TIBCO does. We go,
1: can we talk about, you just said an architecture practice. Yes. Tell everybody that's listening what that, or watching what that actually means, because I I, I think there's a lot of ways to look at it, and you probably have one of the best.
2: Okay, so thank you. So. So the architect's role is synonymous with a city planner. And so a city planner has to make sure that the center system talks to all the outer houses and all the outer neighborhoods. So when you build a house, call that an application, does it talk back to the main power plant of the the city? And So the architect connects those dots. So think about data going to the house, that's your your water, and sewage is taking out the bad data, bringing it back. So an architecture practice is one where you hopefully build it one time and you use it many different ways. So think of a hub and a spoke. So that is why it's important that we share with marketing officers the importance of having a very strong architecture practice. If you need data on the edge, which is what all marketing officers yeah. want,
1: on we the edge. have
2: to make sure that we're getting data from the core to the edge. But the most important thing, Mike, I'll say, is we have to make sure the data is right. We have to make sure it's cleansed. We have to make sure that data is trusted because at the end of the day, bad data renders bad insights at the end of the day. And then we put on top of that, all the new cool things happening with machine learning and artificial intelligence. Bad data in an AI machine gives you bad results. So those are the things that we as IT folks have to make sure we partner with our marketing folks to make sure they understand. And the last thing I'll say is the thing that we're always worried about in the IT world are audits. We get an audit all the time. So we got to make sure that we could actually show to an auditor how we're rendering the data and how we're making our decisions. You can't just tell an auditor, "Well, the AI engine kind of spit, spit that out. We have to do a better job explaining to marketing how all that works.
1: And you are audited by the, the company. And if you're in a an industry that's regulated by, by the regulators, so there's a lot of audits that can come in.
2: Absolutely, there's internal audit. Of course, we all know them; they're our friends. Yes. But you, you have internal them. auditors, and I've been in five different industries where I have government auditors, financial auditors. So there's auditors everywhere. So we got to make sure that data is actually. It's some
1: kind of joke here, but I'm gonna I'm gonna let it go. So so if I'm the marketer, or if I'm the CMO, or I, I'm running the Martech stack for the marketing side, what is the best way I can interface with IT? Like,
2: give our give our listeners some tips here in terms of how, how do you do it right? So the way I've done it, and I think I've been successful doing it because I've had some great partnerships with you and others, is creating... Oh,
1: Ron, I'm glad you're on the show.
2: So... <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to send you a free mouse after this conversation. <laughs> um, but the, the beautiful thing is having someone that is a liaison between both groups. And in the past, when I was at Toyota, for example, the chief digital officer back then reported to me, but liaised into marketing. Um, when I worked with you, you had the chief digital officer under you, and I liaised into that person. And the way that kind of works best is that 50% of that person's annual review is done by both you and I as a chief marketing officer and head of IT. And that's way that person knows they have to make sure that the IT needs are met and understood, but they also understand the marketing needs that are coming down the pipe. And they sit in your office. So when you have a staff meeting, my IT person is sitting in your room as an extension of your team. So that's one thing. Just making sure everyone's on the same page and make sure everyone has the right incentive to do the right thing.
1: Well, and one of the things you know we did is we, it, we actually altered pay. So that pay was not by function, it was by outcome. Do, do you yeah. want to talk about that and how hard that is in some places probably to do?
2: Well, if you're... Company already has that function, it's relatively easy. And again, that's when you have to pull an HR. Uh, But if it's a new concept, I would say it takes a cycle or two to kind of get it going. But essentially what we're asking people to do is your compensation structure will differ. It comes off of the outcomes of what we're trying to get. It's not about how many bits and bytes that we're sending out. It is the outcome of, we have a better customer lifetime value story, CLTV, that I know you and I, for example, pushed at Farmers to make sure that we know our customer and we're sending one communication to them on all their products, as opposed to 13 different communications to them. Those are the outcomes that we both should have as our uh, KPIs. That is something we should jointly own. And so that's one thing I know we did at Farmers and I've done that actually at the state of Illinois as well.
1: Yeah, and for our listeners, what, what we did is we paid both the IT and the marketing teams for consumer outcomes and also for maintaining the capital budget correctly. Um, which allowed the teams to actually work really hard to understand the whole story instead of just their side of it. So, so while we're talking about capital, the run let's let's move into the Martech stack, which is, you know, a totally, you know, it's a giant thing now, and you know you can get really hung up on the Martech stack. And there's an awful lot of people trying to sell pe- sell you Cadillac Martech stacks or you know BMW, whatever you want to say, some high end vehicle. Um, in the Martech stack, how how should people think about the Martech stack? And give our listeners a thought on on hey, what how, what should I do about it as a marketer? How should I work with IT on it? And how do you manage this whole thing?
2: Yeah, so that's a great question. And the Martech stack, I said a little bit earlier the ERP system, the Enterprise Resource Planning system. It's a mo- sometimes it's a monolithic tool or application where everything comes in and out. A Martech stack kind of sits on top of that. It shouldn't compete with your ERP or your central um, hub of information. But the way I always see it is, you have to really understand what you're trying to deliver to the customer. Who are you trying to deliver it to? So for example, an email email marketing platform is something that we all need. We need to understand, are those emails that we're sending out effective? And nowadays, email is one of the last forms, and you're the marketing expert, last forms to really understand, but we still need to understand how the customer wants to be talked to. Think about omnipresence, right? Omnichannel. So we have to make sure we have that down. The advertising tech is super important. The way I kind of see that one is, you have to partner with a company that really understands what you're trying to accomplish. And exactly, for example, what are your ENPS scores that you want? Sorry, NPS scores that you want. So that's a
1: net promoter score. That's a customer sat number, which goes from zero to 10. And it's, it's super important for retention and customer purchase, actually. So.
2: And having everyone agree with that, Michael, and have everyone understand the power of the NPS score and yeah. how that really moves in the markets. The other thing I'll probably say is the data side of the house. Marketing more and more is driven on data. It's probably been driven by data from day one, but we're starting to appreciate it more in, in the IT realm. And so my job is to provide the right data. And data for use of fuel, right? And then... So I give it to you and you do the analytics and you render the insights um, from the right search engine optimization tool. So we wanna make sure that we partner so I can make sure that the data you get is clean. You can do the analytics on top of it. And from that, you can render insights to make decisions. So for example, should we fund a football stadium and put all the money there? Or should we fund a, a golf tournament? <laughs> Those are the things that are super important because where are our customers? Sound familiar, Michael? It does. Thank you.
1: What's with the Michael thing? That's usually people are going to yell at me. They use the full name. Well, uh, you- <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's talk about, you know, if you you work with a lot of marketers, obviously, and a lot of folks, um, and I, I do want to drill down on the, the, the uh, Illinois CIO job. But first, take us through marketing best practices and then the marketing bad hall of fame, like how to, be, how to do it wrong. Like, like, cause I, I, I'm sure a bunch of people have not been great from a marketing perspective on IT. So give us, give us the run of show here on best practices
2: and also hall of fame worst practices. Okay. So I'm going to be somewhat vague on this one, but very direct at the same time. And this is coming from the perspective of someone who's been in IT 25 years. Right. Um, The things that haven't gone well, and I think um, this has actually got a little bit worse if we don't really control it, is when a marketing organization goes out and just purchases a cloud solution or purchases things that um, honestly don't connect with the rest of the architecture I spoke of earlier. And so then you start having a bunch of bolt-ons that are taking information that is not rendered the proper way. And then later, the insights come from that and they're completely erroneous or they're not really um, delivering on what we're looking for. That is the one thing that I've seen more and more because cloud is so easy, uh, a cloud offering is yeah. so easy to find. You get your P card, go in, say, so, oh my God, you can render this with this great analytics tool. Um, and then later you find out in a board meeting, unfortunately, that that information was incorrect or it wasn't connected with other data that didn't complement that information. So that yeah. for me, that's a that's a worst practice because it gives you an immediate outcome, but the long view, it will actually erode um, the data. It will erode people's trust in the marketing IT relationship.
1: And in your city planner thing, this is: I built a house, and I didn't have any way to get water to it. <clears throat> um, so, it, it, but but there's an awful lot of people that will come at you as a marketer trying to sell you that stuff. Absolutely. And, and if you are not bringing and so this is a public service announcement, if you're not bringing your IT folks in the discussion, you shouldn't buy it, no matter how, how simple it looks, because it's never as simple as it looks is my learning. So that that's in the that's in the hall of 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 worst
2: practices. Anything else in worst practices? Oh, the only other one I'll say is don't create a shadow IT team within marketing. Um I think that always eventually will go the wrong way. I mean, as a chief marketing officer, Mike, you never wanted me to create my own marketing team internal IT. I've seen you market, no, absolutely no. (laughs) No. So when you have a parallel and people call it shadow IT, rogue IT, embedded IT, whatever that is, I truly believe that having technical proficient people in all the groups makes absolute sense and they don't have to sit in IT. But if they're creating parallel deliverables that the IT is doing, I think that's when you have a problem. And I think that's another bad practice. Now, it's incumbent that the CIO is open-minded and understands that there will be technical people outside his realm, and that's okay. So this is a a,
1: a super, I think, point that we ought, to, we ought to just make sure everyone's getting. When you say you want technically proficient people in the marketing job or the sales job or whatever – What does that look like and what does that not look like? Because there's an awful lot of analysts you want. There's a lot of like like special kind of, I understand how to get the data to my team, but you're talking about a whole different thing when you talk about shadow org, give us some specificity on that.
2: That's great, great question. So for example, within the IT realm, we usually have programmers. We have people who can go into the code, check the kernel of the code, do the deep analysis of the actual stack. Right and how it connects. Um, However, when it comes to rendering and reading and manipulating information to get the outcomes you need, that is fine to be sitting on the technical side of marketing. But when you go in and start changing code or really rendering in a different way, that is I think is when you've gone down the wrong path. And that's just through my experiences. The one thing I'll quickly say on that though is nowadays I know in schools, if you take an accounting class at my alum U of I, Um, You have to take, you know, accounting for Python, Python for accountants, by the way, that is now a course you have to take. So it's great to have people understand Python, but it's good for them to not dig into the weeds and get into the (laughs) realm. To not do do Python when they're sitting in the accounting department. Okay. Um, (laughs) Super helpful. All right. Let's go to some best practices. Best practices is the conversation. I mean, I'm going to start with that one. You and I... I think we were at a major event in the, the Bay Area, um, and we did a joint uh, live chat about the relationship between both organizations. Just having the conversation goes such a long way. The minute you put the walls and the silos, it's just gonna rub quickly. So the first thing I'll say is having the conversation, understanding where we fit, and think of everything as a Venn diagram. There's a Venn diagram of what we do. There's a customer in the center, and there's the marketing side, and there's the IT side, and of course, there is the hr side of kind of how do we get that done so really see things as a venn diagram we're all coming together it's not a competition and should never be a competition between it and marketing once you start talking in competitions or who did what to who you're automatically eroding it so i would for that's the first thing the second thing is from an it perspective so those marketers that are listening um help the it folks really get the funding they need the capital expenditure so they can upgrade their systems The the argument I've always made is I don't want to upgrade it just for the hell of it. I want to upgrade it because it comes with so much adverse risk. A system that's more than five years old has holes in it, and you can't protect it from bad actors. So it's prudent that the marketing folks help support the IT folks to make those upgrades. I've been in board meetings, and we've been in C-suite meetings together, Mike, where I'm sitting there, and you're making the argument on my behalf. And then you look over at me, and I'm sitting there like eye candy, like what he said that is a perfect relationship when you could do that because you're telling it on my behalf and I'm just coming in to fill in the blanks but there's one other
1: thing i want to point out to the marketers out there is a lot of the, some of the it stuff that's required for the infrastructure it won't produce sales today but if you don't fix it it will bite you in the long run and and it's important to try and understand that because you will watch companies only pick the things that drive sales but the infrastructure Beneath it, if that rots out, you're not gonna drive very many sales.
2: It's true. Another thing I'll say to you, marketing master, is that reputational risk is a huge thing. We all should care about it. Marketing uh, CMOs definitely care about it. So if we have a breach of some kind, or we just happen to run an airline and everything breaks down around Christmas, (laughs) we have to make sure that we're investing in the core. It is so important. It's not fun, it's not sexy, but it's so important. And getting um, a group of people in the C-suite to support those goes such a long way and it will help marketing in the long run.
1: Yes, hard to run an airline with spreadsheets only. So <clears throat> I have to ask one, one question. I can't let this the CIO of Illinois, the whole state, go by, because one of the things we talk about on the show a lot is the CMO, part of the job is managing all the politics that go with the job. As CIO of Illinois, you're smack in the middle of – as many politics as you could probably think of, give us some tips on how to manage the politics in an organization like that.
2: Whoa, that's a heavy one <laughs> so you know i'm a I'm a Chicagoan, so I love this state, and when I was asked to serve, I did it gallantly. The one thing I always wanted to do about i t and managing the politics is making sure that people saw i t or technology as purple as purple as your shirt there's red, there's blue. And there's purple, <laughs> there you go. And make sure that people understand that IT should not be a political discussion. Everyone needs it. And same thing you and I did. Let's talk about commonalities. What does everyone need? Do we want our kids to have better um, tele, telehealth when they're sick? Yes. I mean, we didn't know COVID was coming, but do we need better broadband knowing that they'll be from school, doing school online? Yes, right? In the state of Illinois, agriculture clearly is big. We're one of the biggest states for corn production. Drones are running a lot of these programs on our big farms. They need technology on the fringe. So I always made it, what do you need and what can technology do to fix that? I tried to stay out of the political realm altogether. Now, did I have to get in front of the state appropriations committee to get funding? Yes. Did I have to you know, answer some questions that had nothing to do with tech? Yes. But I always brought everything back to what's best for your kids, your mom, your dad, your children, whatever. So that's kind of how I navigated the political spectrum. And the good thing about it, and I'll give credit to Governor Pritzker, He's a techie. He used to be a venture capital. He understands the power investments. And that that was a great thing. But yes, uh, Mike, it was an interesting go around when we expanded broadband. And people didn't quite understand what broadband was, but now they definitely understand why the investments are important. And I'll lastly say, COVID, as painful as this period has been in the last three years, it has woken everyone up, up, uh, that we have to Im- improve the employee experience and, and, and make sure anyone can work from anytime, anywhere, any place, on any device. That has been certain, a
1: burden. Rest- I'm certain in some of the discussion, this, some of this got politicized, no matter how straightforward it was, but to protect <laughs> the innocent, we will not talk about it, or the guilty, we will not talk about it. <clears throat> you know, as, as we run towards the end of the show, I, I will give you a two question shot and you can pick both of them or one of them. Okay. Um, any a story you want to share about IT and marketing interface and any practical advice you want to share with our listeners that we haven't talked about so far?
2: I'll go with the practical advice for a hundred, Alex. Um, okay, very good. So, so the practical advice is um, really, and again, I'm going to say something that's not even a, a tech marketing discussion. It's more of it's not biblical in nature, it's not intended it to be, but really understand everyone's coming from a good place. Starting your conversations with that is super important. That's the first thing I'll say. The second thing I'll say is um, the relationship that you, Mike and you know, Mike and I, you, we created was one of, it was symbiotic. You would finish my statements, finish your statements. The power of us working together was far more powerful than us being kind of separated. And the reason I say it is. Um, for example, I'll give a quick example. We needed funding, I remember, at one point to make sure that we had the speed of light to go from our data center to the edge. We wanted to make sure we got all the data on the edge, not to just our customers, but to all your uh, analysts out there. And so you helped me invest in better networking, realizing how important that was to get the information to where you needed it. I was able to get support thanks to your support. And on the flip side, whenever you needed something from a data Perspective. You said, This is what I need. I need quality of data to be at this level, increase your KPIs, and we're able to do that. So I truly believe it's about the conversation and really seeing both roles as a really symbiotic team. It is not a debate as to who's on first, who's on second. I believe it really has to be together. And I know we have a lot of great conversations. You know, tech is sometimes that, you know, Wizard of Oz behind whatever, and no one explains it. Like, have the conversation. And the, the, the one comparison I always have is motorcycling, because you know I motorcycle. It's I the can. throttle response. You know, you have to come with the right level of throttle response. You, you put the gas too hard, you're going to pop a wheel and hurt yourself. You don't do it enough, it will stall out. Finding exactly how you can move the company forward is very important. Um, and I think that's something that you and I were able to do. Um, and I think every marketing person, every tech person should work together on that. And the last statement I'll make is Ratan Tata, well-known Indian um, entrepreneur who started the Tata family, um, yep. one of the
1: massive organization,
2: massive organization. He told me one time, and I didn't know who he was. I was sitting next to him and I you know, found out who he was. I said, sir, how do you move the company forward? Think about two magnets, Ron. If you go too far, you lose the magnet and you don't bring the company forward and you go off in an orbit. If you stay too close, you don't move the company forward. But if you find the right balance between where you're moving and where the company is going, you'll bring it forward at the right pace. But you have to pace yourself because chief marketing officers have a shelf life almost as long as chief information officers. It's usually what? Three to five, three to four years. It's less for marketers, but yeah, it's short. And that's one of the reasons we have to find the right balance to bring the company forward so we're not in orbit or we're not stuck, um, not moving it forward. And that's a challenge that we all have.
1: Well, so thank you, Ron. We have the magnet analogy, the motorcycle analogy, the city planner analogy, and the human body analogy. So all those go together, and IT and marketing are explained brilliantly through that series of analogies. So thank you for joining our show, Ron Guerrier. And thanks to everyone for listening to CMO Confidential. Look for our other shows on Spotify, SoundCloud, apple and youtube which include what venture capital really thinks about marketing why the short shelf life of cmos parts one and two why is marketing innovation so freaking hard and a top executive recruiter talks about the cmo space hey all of you marketers be safe out there this is mike linton signing off for cmo
0: confidential This episode of CMO Confidential is produced and sponsored by AdCom. One of the premier integrated marketing and advertising agencies, AdCom works with mid-market companies to create measurable returns. With 30 plus years experience, AdCom partners to lead innovative strategy, creative, media, and analytics for growth-oriented brands that want to differentiate themselves in a crowded field. Working in B2B, B2C, healthcare, financial services, transportation, building products, and consumer goods, AdCom leverages unique internal and external insights to create dynamic and lasting brands ready to maximize their market position. For more information, visit us at engageadcom.com.
1: you tired of the same old productivity hacks? Have you read the top 20 books on effectiveness and yet your workdays and email inbox still causing anxiety, burnout, and even depression? Ready to learn the latest in brain-based modalities, techniques, and technologies to optimize your success and well-being? Welcome to the Focus to Evolve podcast, where we'll illuminate your path to spacious productivity and balanced thriving. Each week, we dive into deeply insightful and immediately impactful methods to help you become highly effective while promoting health, profitability, and well-being. Say goodbye to the trance of busyness and hello to your highest potential. It's time to discover a new way of accelerating your mission, growth, and purpose. Join us on the Focus to Evolve podcast and get ready to live your most joyful, productive, and fulfilling life.